Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give. And thank you for the faithful givers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Beginnings Church. Uh, it is good to see you here. We see you. We, say, we see you. And we, are, we welcome you in this place. No? Uh, this is the third session of our salvation series that we started this month, right? Uh, Pastor Albert preached the past two Sundays. And we learned about uh, the gift of salvation, and we get to appreciate uh, what gift it is, it is no, that the Lord has given to us. We learned about regeneration no, in the very first place, uh, in the very first week, through the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We understand that God makes us spiritually alive uh, through our faith in Jesus Christ. Remember Nicodemus' uh, question? How can I be born again? I'm already a grown man. How can I go back to my mother's womb? And Jesus answered, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And so we understood that we were, we were previously spiritually dead, but God woke us up. God infused uh, his life upon our lives, and we are now spiritually alive, no? Last week, we learned about justification, and we learned that through the story of Jesus being anointed by the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7. And we understand that it, justification is an instantaneous legal act wherein God applies the righteousness of Jesus Christ over our lives. And we are declared forgiven and not guilty in our lives. And so this morning, we want to talk to you about sanctification. Sanctification. It's a big word, no? Sanctification. We shall learn this and see in the story of the Bible how this is reflected. And hopefully at the very end, we would be able to embrace God's call in our lives for continuous transformation. The word sanctify uh, in Greek is hagiazo. And it means to be set apart for God's exclusive and special use. To be set apart for God's special and exclusive use. So the Greek word name is hagiazo. I think we have a slide there, no? And this word hagiazo, it reminds me of the word hagendaz. Before I became a pastor, I worked in the advertising industry for many years, no? And in the advertising industry, uh, it's usually uh, big overtime, talagang overtime galore talaga wherein we would work on advertising campaigns, marketing campaigns of our clients. And we would uh, uh, work overtime for, for, for many nights, no? uh, working on an ad campaign or when there is a client pitch. And what we, what we did before as a tradition is that whenever we win a certain client pitch, we would reward ourselves with Haagen-Dazs buttercream pecan flavor. And this Hagendas, we would eat it straight from the can. And it's one pint per person, ano? And it was reserved for that special use of victory and celebration. So whenever people uh, see our, our department holding an Hagendas, they knew that we were successful in that particular client pitch, no? And in ordinary days, we didn't eat Hagendas at all. If, for example, we lost a client pitch, we won't eat that Hagendas, no? It was reserved. For a victory reward, no? Whenever we would win a client pitch on an ad campaign. And you know how expensive hagen is, no? So ordinary days, we don't eat that, no? So imagine the, you know, uh, uh, creamy, yummy ice cream that's just generously sprinkled uh, with pecan nuts. It's one of my, it, it was one of my favorite. However, we only get to use it for very special purpose. That's the representation of what it means, no? When you think about hagiazo or sanctify, where in something or someone, in our case, we are being set apart for God's exclusive and special purpose. So this brings us to the definition of the word sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is God's act of making us holy, set apart for His special purpose. With our cooperation, highlighted on that, with our cooperation, God makes us more and more free from sin and transforms us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. 
You see, in the point of regeneration, in the point of justification, it was all God's act. And sanctification starts with God's act as well. No? However, whereas uh, in, sancti- in, in, in regeneration and justification, God took it upon himself, no? he, himself to finish that particular gift for us. In the work of sanctification, God invites us to partners with us in bringing the work of transformation over our lives. No? And this happens in three stages. And we will use some big words here, but later on, we will explain and see how these are gifts upon our lives. We have what we call a positional sanctification, wherein at the point when we come in contact with Christ, God's Spirit comes to our spirit, and there is a definitive break from the free and freedom from the power of sin over our lives. We see, number two, a progressive sanctification wherein we are changed from glory and glory, from glory to glory. We are transformed into Christ-likeness all throughout our Christian life. And finally, God promises this blessed hope of ultimate sanctification when we get to see Him face to face. So let's start to talk about one of the stories of the Bible that depicted the, the work of sanctification over our lives. Let's go to Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy and he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. You know, if the BIR is not popular today, it was 10 times, 100 times, 100,000 times more hated in the time of Jesus. And I remember that this, this week, no, uh, during our pastor's meeting, uh, someone requested for a prayer because there was some business that was so plagued no, by, by the BIR and they were just having trouble uh, navigating through that. And I think all of the business owners have some one story or, or, or so to tell about that. But it was graver you know, during that time. You see, the tax collect- collectors during the time were scoundrels, they were thugs, and they were utterly despicable in the eyes of the people. You see, in order to, co- to collect taxes, the Roman government, they had to hire local men to collect all of these taxes for them. So the tax collectors were actually Jews who worked for the Roman gover- who worked for the Romans. And this made them traitors in the eyes of the fellow Jews. One way that they paid these Jews no, was allowing them to pad the taxes that they would collect from the people. So like for example, if your tax Jew is 10,000 and that was already something that was heavy, the tax collector has the power of making of padding it on, making it fifteen thousand, and then the five thousand that's already your commission. So that's how they they were able to hire no uh, local Jews. So can you imagine the Jews were so upset that their fellow Jews were disloyal to them, betrayed them by collecting exorbitant taxes from them, and then the money goes to the very foreigners who took over their land and who conquered them. So talagang, uh, the way that they viewed the tax collectors, it was really, really bad. And here in this text, we can see that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, meaning he was someone who is the head, no? He's a leader. And you would be able to see that, because it, it specifically note on that, that he was wealthy. And so any doubts that we might have, no, whether this person uh, was, uh, uh, was corrupted or not, established na. He took advantage of that particular setup no, uh, with the Romans. And he was, a, and, and he was able to uh, gather up wealth in the expense of the Jews uh, who were the landowners during that time. No? They, uh, he kept the excesses. So people resented the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus uh, was, was wealthy. He, 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 uh, he was the chief and he was short. There's a special mention about his stature. No? 
So let's, let's continue on verse 5. When Zacchaeus, uh, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Oh, Zacchaeus, it's come down immediately. He recognized who Zacchaeus was and he called him by name, right? So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Can you just imagine that? So if you read the story before this particular account, you would read that, Jericho, uh, that Jesus was on his way to Jericho. And on his way to Jericho, he dropped by uh, a man uh, who, was, uh, who can't walk, and he healed him right before the, the blind man. Pala. He could walk, but he was blind. No? And he was trying to, uh, to, to stir the pool and everything. So he healed that blind man. Surely, the word of the healing of the blind man, it spread quickly so that the crowds began to gather as Jesus passed through the city of Jericho. So Zacchaeus was one of those people who was very curious. Who is this teacher that they say who is able to bring miracles no? and, and, and defy nature? It wasn't, it noticed that when Zacchaeus was up in the tree, it was not Zacchaeus who invited Jesus to his house. It was Jesus who presented himself. Can I make a house visitation? Let's go to your house. You know, can you imagine? And so the, 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 the people, the crowd were thinking, of all the people that you would choose to make a house visitation with, you would choose the chief tax collector, the sinner of the sinners no, uh, in, in that place. Verse 8, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possession to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount, no? And so Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. You see, the story of Zacchaeus showed us how sanctification works, no? Jesus' surprise invitation and uh, delighted uh, Zacchaeus and he welcomed Jesus joyfully. Uh, and but something happened in the course of the conversation, you know. During his time with Jesus, Zacchaeus was moved by Jesus' love and acceptance. Can you imagine? From the entire crowd, God handpicked him, no? Jesus handpicked him, no? And so, because he was so moved of his acceptance, that you see some kind of a display of repentance of sin and a promise to make things right or restitution to those he had cheated. He said, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions. Ngayon, ngayon na. Here and now, no? That's what it says. There was a sense of urgency in his tone, no? I will pay back four times the amount. He gave himself a self-imposed penalty, no? To make things right. Uh, what we can see here was that Zacchaeus used to live on his own personal gain. He was wealthy, nga, diba? But now, he was set apart for God's special purpose the work of sanctification. The true sign of repentance is when we change the way that we think and we change the way of life. You now live under God's authority. So notice that of all the things that Zacchaeus would say, he would say, great teacher or great prophet. What did he call Jesus? Lord. It, was, it is a sign of, submis of submission. Zacchaeus acknowledged Jesus as Lord. The man who previously did not bow to everyone now readily submits himself to the lordship of Jesus Christ over his life. This man who did not take orders from everyone because he was the leader now willingly obeys Jesus. What's the next thing that Zacchaeus said? Here and now, I will take half of my possession and I will give it to the poor. And that is something that is very ironic and surprising no? for the life of Zacchaeus. Now, can you imagine that? Zacchaeus expressed concern for the poor. He said, here and now, I'll give half of my possession. The lowest level of society has now become his priority. The very people whom he had previously stolen has now become his concern. The same people who, had hold, who holds a special place in Jesus' heart is also now in his heart. And he pledges half of what he has, half of his wealth, to improve the situation over their lives. Next thing, what did he say? He says that 
if I have cheated someone, I will pay back four times, no? That is a sign of restitution, of making things right. Now, Zacchaeus is saying that he will return whatever unlawfully gained wealth that he had, and he will not keep anything that belonged to others that was gained sinfully, no? Uh, he will pay it back four times. This is a self-imposed penalty, no? for his wrongdoings. This was unheard of in the tax collectors because they didn't submit to anyone. They see themselves above the law. And there, he was saying that, you know, I will do this. Uh, I, will, I will pay back four times that what it is. He turned away from his sin and pursued righteousness. That is a hallmark of sanctification in our lives. And how did Jesus respond? Jesus said, how did Jesus respond here? It says, today... Salvation has come to this house. No? There was just assurance of salvation that was declared uh, to Zacchaeus there. And then he, he, sa he said something else. He, said, he, he also said that he is a son of Abraham. No? What, what, what does this mean, being a son of Abraham? Parang out of, out of nowhere, why would you bring the name of Abraham in this place? Well, you see, Zacchaeus, even in, despite the, his previous conduct, he was by birth. A Jew, a son of the promises uh, of the covenant God, right? So he was, but however, right now, by confession of faith, he is now a man of faith. So when, when, when Jesus was saying that he's the son of Abraham, God is saying that, you know, whether by birth or by confession of faith, you are now part of God's promises uh, in, you know, God's call in his life, no? And, and then the last part, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Hindi lang seek, but seek and save. No? Can you just imagine, no? if for a child is, got, is, is missing, we would uh, organize a search party. And everyone will, go, will knock on the doors and try to see, have you seen this child? Have you seen this child? Have you seen this child? No? There would be a search party for the lost child. And whenever, if the lost child is found, oh, you're there pala. Okay, thank you, thank you, bye. It, is it the way that it goes? No, diba? When you see that lost child, you save that one. You, you save that lost one. And God, that is what Jesus is saying in our lives as well. When Jesus finds those who are lost, He does not harm, but He saves them. He does not reject them, but He welcomes the lost. He does not let them remain in their sin, but he leads them to repentance. Jesus clothes themselves with righteousness, and that's the work of sanctification in a believer's life. Now let's go back to sanctification. No? What does sanctification mean again? Sanctification is whose act? My act? Our act? God's act. No? Sanctification is God's act of making us holy, set apart for his special purpose. With our cooperation... God makes us more and more free from sin, and God transforms us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And this happens in three stages, and so we're going to talk about that. First is what we call a possessional sanctification. No? When you talk about a possessional sanctification, God sac there is a possessional change no? when one encounters Christ. God sanctifies us at the point of our spiritual birth, no? So the initial step in sanctification, it involves a definitive break from the power of sin. You know, Romans 6 describes it this way. He says that we used to be a slave to sin. Watch that language, you know. When you are a slave to something, you had no choice. You are powerless to fight against it, right? But in Romans 6, it said that we have been set free from the power of sin. We no longer control or being dominated by sin. We used to be a slave, but we are no longer slaves, no? And we are set free from that power. And so that is a possessional sanctification. There's a Tagalog word, no, that was very popular years back. And until now, I still see it being used uh, again and again, no? It's the word marupok. Marupok, diba? And uh, there's really no, like, good English translation, you know? But, when, but it basically means something that's fragile, something that's weak, something that's vulnerable. And we usually pertain it to being weak, 
to that you that you being weak in temptations, no? That you succumb to temptation. So, uh, so I'll, I'll I'll give this Tagalog phrase, no? But there would be an English translation. And so sometimes in our lives, no, we 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 say this, we say that, nako hindi ko kaya, tao lang ako, marupok at mahina sa tukso. What basically we're saying, nako, I'm just a mortal human being. I cannot not do it. I am weak against the temptation of sin. I am powerless against the sin. Has any one of you say that? Huh? Huh? Sometimes some people say it in relationships, no? In bad relationships. Sometimes some people say it in front of a Hagen das ice cream or chocolate cake, no? And say that, oh, I can't, won't be able to sustain my diet, no? Because, you know, marupok ako, no? I'm, I'm weak in that. And so, when, but however, when we are born again, God wakes us up. We come alive spiritually and we are connected to God and God's spirit gives birth to our spirit. And so the power of, of a new spiritual life now prevents us from yielding to a life of sin. And so whatever chain that was attached to us, you know, that comes from our, our sinful nature, God makes that break, that God makes that definitive break, no? So that we are no longer powerless against sin. God declares in Romans 6 that we must consider ourselves dead to sin and, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. For sin will no longer have dominion over your lives. So instead of saying this, na hindi ko kaya, tao lang ako, marupok ako. Because we are followers of Jesus Christ, and we are recipients of God's Spirit upon our lives. And recipients of that power of definitive break from the power of sin. We can now say, Christiano ako, kaya ni Lord, at kakayanin ko sa tulong ng Diyos. Pagdating ng pagsubok at tukso, bibigyan ni Lord tayo ng lakas upang mapagtagumpayan yon. So what basically what we're saying, instead of confessing that we can't do it, we're saying that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. God can do it. And God enables me to do it because His Spirit in me. God will not give me any temptation, any trial that is beyond what we can bear. No? And if we find ourselves in the middle of it, God provides a way out. God provides a way for us to be victorious in whatever form of sin or way that there is. Because when we are in Christ, that chain has already come off. We are no longer powerless against the, the pull of sin over our lives. No? That is what sanctification is all about. It is God's holy act. No? It is God's act to make us holy and to free us from the power of sin. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, we learn that God has already set us free from the law of sin and death. And despite our inability to conquer the sin that plagued us, God achieved victory by sending His own Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So this should give us a big sense of relief, knowing that God has already done the heavy lifting. No? When Jesus Christ died on the cross and Jesus Christ was raised to life, he has already won victory, not just over death, but also over sin. So that those of us who are in Christ, we are co-heirs, we are more than conquerors, and we are able to declare the same freedom from the power of sin over life. Because of the cross, the sin, because of, cro of the cross, sin is defeated. Satan's greatest, greatest threat to any one of us, which is a permanent separation from God because of our own sin, no longer has any power over our lives, no? Jesus gave his life for the sake of sinners, and the ultimate power of sin was broken. It was defeated one for all, once for all, free for all. So even though all of us have sinned and fallen short in the glory of God, when we accept God's gift of grace over our lives, we will experience God's glory as if we have never sinned at all. Isn't that amazing, no? Isn't that, a, one of the, isn't that the greatest gift that the Lord can give us in our lives, no? 
And so that is positional sanctification. Now, knowing that those of us who are in Christ, we receive that definitive break, we get ter it turns us over to the number two point, which is what we call a progressive sanctification. And with our, you know, notice the definition with our cooperation in our, in our, uh, in our definition. No? So it refers to a partnership between God and man. I think this is one of the most challenging uh, stages in our lives. No, We feel that, oh, he's already a Christian. How come he does not display the same kind of uh, fruit no, that a Christian should bear no, in, in our lives? Let me explain to you. You see, sanctification, it increases throughout life. No, We are progressively becoming more and more like Christ. And we... And as we continue to obey the Lord and no longer yield to sin. You see, I, I believe that this is an identity issue. Sometimes we don't know that, the, that sin does not have any power over our lives anymore. When we understand that God has already set us apart for His exclusive and special use, it changes our desire. It changes our desire and we no longer want to defile our bodies and our lives because we understand the identity that we are already in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, let, let me ask you, no? uh, what is one possession? What is one thing that is completely personal to you? Uh, something that you will not even share with the, most, the closest person in your life. Not even with your husband, not even with your wife, not even with your parents, your kids, your closest BFF. Kasi kapag Netflix account, sometimes we share that, di ba? Pag Wi-Fi, we share that, no? Uh, when you're holding a bottle of milk tea, uh, it gets, sometimes it gets passed around. And okay, fine, sige, you can have it and everything. Or sometimes we share our wallet. What is one thing that you will not share with anyone? Even your husband. Huh? Bra toothbrush. Very good. Toothbrush. <laughs> Meron ba dito uh, whose husbands and wives are sharing one toothbrush? Well, <laughs> I can't do that, you know. Lawi <laughs> conscious, no? Don't do that. Toothbrush is something that is for your exclusive and personal use. So what if you have a toothbrush and I borrow it? And I say, can I use it? And then if I return back to you, what will I do? Eh, no. What if I use that particular toothbrush to clean my toenails, ah, to clean the sink? Oh, there's a particular spot to clean the toilet bowl. No. But then I wash it. I wash it and wash it. I pour hot water over it. And I say, thank you. This is yours already. I, I'm giving it back to you. Would you dare put it back inside your mouth and use it to, to brush your teeth? Of course not. Be, why? Why not? Why? Why not? Because eh, you, first of all, it was yours. It's exclusive and it's set apart for your personal use. And it is not supposed to be used for cleaning toilets and then put back in your mouth. Of course not, talaga. Now, that is, that is what it means no? when, it, when you see the concept of sanctification. No? This is similar. We are set apart for God's exclusive and special purposes. And we can no longer be part-time Christians. We can no longer uh, 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 divide our commitments no? in, in, in several priorities. Our, committed, our commitment towards God is now all in. Romans chapter 6 says that count yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Romans chapter 6 verse 19 says, just as you, you yourselves have, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says, put to death the misdeeds of your body. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, In view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true act of worship. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24 talks about putting off your old self, 
and putting on the new self that is true, uh, that comes, that is created to be God, like God in true righteousness and holiness. What do these uh, verses tell us? These verses tell us that God expects us to do something, to cooperate with Him in the works of righteousness. God engages our will uh, to cooperate with His work in our lives. They show us that we have to do it with Him every single day, in every situation of our lives. No? This involves putting off uh, removing, putting off uh, sinful habits, um, sinful thing, ways of thinking, pattern of thinking, and putting on a Christ-like qualities. In Zacchaeus' case, the things that he, he had to put off was his greed, perhaps his love for money, his deceitful lying and coercive actions, and Zacchaeus had to put on humility, repentance, even charity to the poor. And so in our case, in your case, in, in my case, in our case, God may be convicting us to put off something else. No? And, and the Bible has so, so many uh, languages for this. God may be convicting us to put off sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. God is convicting us to put off anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, uh, and God is telling us to put on compassion, kindness, humility, patience, to bear with each other, and to forgive one another. And over all of these virtues, to put on love. And God is speaking to each and every one of us who is a follower of Christ. I've already made a definitive break in, in your life. That sin no longer has any power in your life. Now let's continue to walk this journey of transformation together. As I, as I help you, as I enable you, you make that choice of obedience step by step. God is saying that by His Spirit, to put off sin and to put on Jesus Christ. You know, let's look at this chart, no? This is a chart that shows us how sanctification works, no? And here, you would be able to see that we started off with, in the point of conversion, that there's already a definite break. But sometimes, our Christian life is like that. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down, sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. Sometimes we, you know, uh, we're able to do uh, things for the Lord, but sometimes we slip and fall. But we should expect that sanctification work will make us more and, like, more and more like Jesus in an upward trend. Dapat pataas, that we become more and more like Jesus. If you find your behavior today, is no different from when you first began your, your faith journey. It should humble us, bring conviction in our hearts, and lead us to repentance. Amen po ba dyan? Because God wants our cooperation in His transformation work over our lives. Now, some of the transformation are instantaneous or dramatic, and some are gradual. Like in the case of Zacchaeus, di ba? It was like at that point of encounter, he already confessed all of these things. And we've heard stories of things like that, no? Like uh, Jeff tells his story of his definitive break from alak, ABCD, alak, babae, cigarillo, drugs, no? And how, how we wish that sometimes it is just like that, no? Na, you know, you were so addicted to substance abuse, and then just one encounter with the Lord, and that substance abuse is just dramatically gone. But for some of us, it wasn't like that. For some of us, it was instant. Uh, it was gradual, no? And so the good thing is, what we can see in this chart is that it is a lifelong process. As we continue to let God work in our lives, we will continue to grow in Christ-likeness, and we will continue to exhibit the fruit of His Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc., etc., so, if you are someone who is with someone na nababagalang kayo and you felt that your growth journey is just too slow, well, hang, hang tight, no? God is doing something. God is at work in your lives, no? The, as, as that person continues to submer, uh, submerge himself in the presence of the Lord, the Lord will work in his, in his life. It is God who works in our life to be 
and uh, to will and to do what he has called us to do. No? So for example, let's, let's make an example. For example, if a person struggles with anger issues, at the moment of salvation, they are possessionally sanctified and they're declared righteous before the Lord. However, that person still struggles with anger, especially when you pass by uh, Buendia, no? and when you pass by Pasong Tomo and you encounter all of the jeeps, the, the motorcycles, the bikes, the buses, and all of those stuff, no? Talagang lumalabas talaga yung anger issue, ano? And, and that person struggles, and they, that person cannot consistently reflect the new identity in Christ, no? But as the person grows in the relationship with the Lord, they began to understand more and more the nature of God and His character. And they start to recognize, oi, my anger harms God. My, uh, my anger harms myself. My anger harms other people. And so, through, you know, worship, through prayer, through study of the Bible, through fellowship, accountability, and everything, the person learns to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome anger. Over time, that person experiences growth and change in life. Sometimes, magsaslip ulit, and then the Lord will catch him back and say, okay, let's continue on this journey. Now, the person will become more and more patient and understanding, and the anger outbursts will be less frequent and less intense. No? While they may still, anger, still struggle with anger from time to time, they are no longer controlled by anger. This process of growth and change is an example of what progressive sanctification looks like. You know, I also like how uh, Grudem, Grudem is a teacher and a, and, and a scholar and a writer of systematic theology. No? And he explains that in the work of sanctification, we have two roles. One role is a passive role, and one role is an active role. What's a passive role? The passive role is being fully reliant on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. No? We, are, we depend on God to sanctify, to sanctify us. However, we also have an active role. And what's that active role? Where we strive to obey God. We take steps to increase our sanctification. We believe that it is God who works in us to will and to act according to His good purpose. And so we make every effort to bring all of those things in obedience, in submission to the Lord. And so we grow in Christ-like character in accordance to what God has called us to do. So that is how it is. And how do you do that? We go back to the basics. We go back to healthy habits. We go back to H-A-B-I-T-S, hang time with God, accountability with fellow believers, Bible reading and studying, involvement and engagement in the church. We talk about uh, tithing and stewardship and being witnesses of God's glory to the people around us. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this gets us to the exciting part, no? which is the, the promise that we have. Because the, the question here is that how come we still struggle. Yes, we are free from the power of sin, but we, we still have the presence of sin in our lives, no? You just look at the news, no? And you see sin displayed in its full glory. Or sometimes, we don't have to look far. We just look at, upon our lives. We took a look upon our thought life. We look upon, you know, what, what we say, and we see that sin is still crouching at the door. Sanctification is completed at death or when Jesus returns, no? So, ultimate sanctification refers to the final stage, no? Parang final fantasy, no? Final stage. Final stage of the believer's sanctification process. It happens when a believer is fully and completely transformed into the likeness of Jesus. From the moment that we see Jesus face to face, either by death or by His second coming. Depende ko ano yung mauna. It depends on what comes first, no? So, at ultimate sanctification, a believer is completely freed from the presence of sin and also the power of sin. This, the Bible describes this as the moment of transformation when a believer's mortal body is transformed into immortal and a perishable body was like that of Christ, no? And it says that there's no more sickness, no more pain, no need for prayer requests, because God has already bring us to His full expression of His presence. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, can I ask the worship team? No? It says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But know that when Jesus Christ appears, 
We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. How, how should this kind of promises um, affect us uh, as Christian believers to this day? You know? we, that should give us hope. First and foremost, in our own lives, no? that as the Lord continues to do His work of transformation, there is a graduation that will happen. It is not a, an eternal struggle with sin, no? because one day, God will set us free no? from the presence of sin in our lives when we are with Jesus face to face. So this should give us hope, and this should give us um, the strength to persevere in trials, in temptations in our lives, to hang on to the promises of the Lord because God has this blessed hope that is available to us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 to 21, it says, God's, God's solid foundation stands firm and sealed with this inscription. The Lord those, uh, knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles of gold and silver, but there is also articles of wood and clay. Some are made for special purposes, and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments of God's special purpose, made holy, useful to master, and prepared to do any good work. And so this refers to you and I who has already professed our faith in Jesus Christ Believing that God's work, God's spiritual work has, is already starting in our lives and God will continue to work in our lives. No? Can I uh, go back to the definition? So what is sanctification? Sanctification is God's act of making us holy, set apart for His special purpose. And whose cooperation does God need? Just Tayo lang, first row lang, or first column lang. No, God needs our cooperation to make us more and more free from sin and to transform us to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So can I ask everyone to stand? No? You know, in, in our lives, uh, the, the, the problem or the, the wrestle with sin is something that is uh, present, no? Uh, um, whenever we hear prayer requests, when we sit down with someone or when we pray with someone in altar calls, you see that wrestle, but you see that submission as well. No? And so, I would like us to use this uh, teaching, uh, to use this preaching as a way of, uh, as a way of infusing our faith, as a way of deepening our faith in the Lord and deepening, deepening our trust in the Lord, no? Can we make this declaration? No? We can say that we are not work in progress. No? We are not just under construction randomly. We are God's work in progress. And so kapag si Lord nagtrabaho, if that, it is the Lord who, who starts to, to, to make those, those work, we know that we are in good hands. So I want all of us to put your hand, put your hands on, on the heart and you declare it in faith. I am God's work in progress. Amen. And say, I will be patient and I will persevere. Okay. Now I want you to think about the people who brings pain in your lives. Sometimes if they're non-Christians, ano, parang we sort of have more, uh, parang, yeah, tolerance for them because we think, oh, they don't know. But when they are fellow Christians, that's where it hurts the most. no? And we feel that it's not obvious that he's a Christian because look how he behaves. No? And sometimes we get disappointed and discouraged. Let today's message remind us that he is God's work in progress. That she is God's work in progress. So think about these names. No? They may be people in your family, fellow Christians. They may be people from the old church. Or perhaps there are people here in this church Maybe they're workers in this church or maybe they're pastors in the church. I don't know. But know that each one of us is God's work in progress. So you say this, no? He is God's work in progress. Or she is God's work in progress. I will be patient and I will persevere. 
I will persevere. Now, can you find a partner? Can you just one-on-one, -on -one, no? And I want you to declare it in faith. Declare it to each other. You are God's work in progress. You will be patient and you will persevere. Amen. Tulong-tulong tayo dito, no? This is, you know, uh, we are God's household. And so, we, you know, when one brother is weak, we, we carry each other because we are members of God's household. And so we say, we are God's work in progress. We will be patient and we will persevere. Amen and amen. Now let's sing this song, no? This song is the potter's hand. And it reminds us that in our lives, we may encounter difficulties. We may encounter uh, some discipline that comes from the Lord. But just like how this song uh, says, no, we are we are the clay, and God is the potter's hand. No? God is the hand that molds us, that brings us, that transforms us into Christ likeness. So as we declare, as we sing this song, let us declare this in faith. No, let us be a prayer. Let us be a song of, of your, your of your of worship unto the Lord. Wonderful Savior, I know for sure all of my days are held in your hands, crafted into your perfect plan. Come on, you sing. You
Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, you see hands reaching out to you, Lord, lifted up, oh Lord, exalting you over our lives, God. Lord, we are sorry that sometimes we do things that comes against your will, your best upon our lives. Lord, bring conviction upon our hearts, Lord, and lead us to repentance, Lord. Help us to turn away from the life of sin and to turn towards you, Lord, to turn towards your holy calling, O oh Lord God. Lord, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us, that you would call us, that you would mold us, that you would discipline us, O oh Lord God, that you would help, that you will empower us, enable us, O oh Lord, to do what you have called us to do and to be who you have called us to be, Lord. Lord, I pray, O oh Lord, for each families represented in this place, O oh Lord, with the work of your Holy Spirit, O oh Lord God, be so strong upon the lives of each person that they would be witnesses of, your, of God's glory in the people around them, O oh Lord. Lord, we thank you for your transformative work upon our lives. Lord, give us a tender heart, O oh Lord God, that we would, be, that we would listen to the, to the nudge of your Holy Spirit and when we bring conviction upon our hearts, help us to have the courage, Lord, to surrender these sins, O oh Lord God, to surrender this wrong mindset, O oh Lord, and to come to you, to come to you for strength, to come to you for healing, for joy, and for hope, Lord. So God, we pray for each person in this place, Lord, and the families represented. We pray your blessing, O oh Lord, upon their lives. We pray for your protection upon their lives. And we give you back all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless. God bless. So, have a good week ahead and bring someone with you next Sunday.